And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. It's not about me I'm only here for a minute And I know that I can't fix it I can help even just a little bit won't you let me try? Hello, welcome to Lads and Powers. This is Scott Powers with Mark Lazarus. Mark, hello. How you doing, Scott? I'm good. Today's uh, I, I I've I've had a real trouble this week. Remember what day it was? Like you know, like the fact the deadline was on a Monday. I don't. I, I, I guess it doesn't really fall on a specific day, but Monday for some reason just kind of threw me for a loop this year. Yeah, and it's a long day, especially when it's on a game day. I really, I, in a perfect world, and you know, I wrote a little bit about this in our in our observations that night. You wouldn't have games on deadline day, and not just because I'm a whiny little, you know, annoying person who doesn't want to work all day long like that. But I mean, how how could you really be locked in, zoned in as a player when when all that's happening around you? You're at the morning skate, and if you're one of those guys on, you know, the the big trade boards, how do you focus on what you're doing? And then your you know your best friend just got traded from the team, and you got to play a game two and a half hours later. Uh, I know it's a compressed season, but for for mental health reasons, if nothing else, they they really should try to avoid playing games on deadline day. It's I was talking to Troy Murray uh, when I was <clears throat> when we did the uh, the trade deadline quiz. I was asking Troy about any stories or anything he had, and he said that when he was in, oh, I'm gonna blank on the team right now, but he was him and Norm McIver were both uh, I forget where, but that, uh, it's a good um, story so far, Scott. <clears throat> yeah, I know. I, well, uh, the details <laughs> don't really matter. <laughs> Uh, but he, him and Norm, Norm McKay were on the same team, and they went out for the uh, the morning skate, and they did about a lap around the ice, and then they were both waved over to the bench and told they've been traded. And <laughs> they got off the ice, and they were uh, they were in Canada, and they're 
whoever they've been traded to was playing in Montreal that night. So they, they both got in a car and they drove there and played there that night. And then the next day they came back and I think, I think they were in Ottawa and they went to Montreal. Um, but it was, yeah, they, they're just, it's the crazy things that happened. Like everyone has these amazing trade deadline stories about, you know, just where they were, or what yeah. was happening. And um, yeah, it, it feels like a lot of this would be eliminated if, yeah, if there was just a day off and everyone had, you know, ability to get somewhere within a day and process it and so on. I remember it was, it was a bunch of years ago when they traded Ben Smith for Andrew Desjardins. I think it was right before the 2015 Cup run. And Ben Smith was in the locker room after the morning skate. Remember when we used to go into locker rooms and talk to people? It was great. But we were in there and you, <laughs> you, you, we could see Ben Smith like packing his shit together and getting out of here and like racing down the hallway. He was he got traded to San Jose. He played that night. Yeah, he crazy. went straight to O'Hare with just like the, the sh- literally the shirt on his back and, and, and whatever gear he could stuff in a bag. Flew to San Jose, got like a police escort. Ben Smith got a police escort <laughs> from the airport. But that's the beauty of San Jose is the airport's like five minutes from downtown. And he got right to the arena and he's playing on a new team and a new system with new line mates and a new coach and a new building. And like, that night, which is just, it, it's crazy to me how sometimes, you know, it's one thing if you were, you know, if you get traded to the team you're playing that night and you walk down the hall, he had to go across the entire country and he played that night. What, what was that? What was that plane ride like? That's four hours to San Jose where your whole world got turned <laughs> upside down. I mean, it's just mind blowing to me. I mean, no, no, there's no other profession in the world where you can get moved like that. Like literally, there's not a single profession in the world other than professional athlete where like if the athletic wanted you to become our, you know, Seattle Seahawks writer tonight. You wouldn't be there tonight. You would have discussions about it and you would get, you know, you'd have to plan for it and there would be a start date. You wouldn't just be like in Seattle tonight writing about Russell Wilson. I mean, it's crazy to me. If you paid me a million dollars, though, though, I may be able to uh, adjust oh, pretty yeah, quickly. I mean, I, I, that's what everybody always says. It's like, well, I thought, for a million dollars, I'll do whatever. But I mean, I, I wrote a story a couple of years ago and Harmon uh, in, uh, in Vancouver did a story like that this year about, you know, the, these are human beings. They have families, they have kids, yeah. they have kids in school. And, you know, this year's weird enough to begin with, with all the quarantines and everything like that and, 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 and all the logistics. I mean, some people aren't even with their families during the season just for safety reasons, but you know, these are real people with real lives that just get completely uprooted. I mean, like the thought of like, like if I, when I was 25 and single, yeah, you could send me anywhere on a, on, on, on a moment's notice and that would have been fun and cool as a 41 year old with two kids and a wife and a home. I, I freaking I would melt down like I well, would. Someone, just, someone wanted wanted to trade you in the uh, in one of the mailbags. They wanted Portsline. <laughs> I don't blame them. Portsline's way better than I am. <laughs> I remember when, uh, when you mentioned when Ben Smith packing his bags. I remember when Kepney got traded. That I I chased him down oh, the yeah. hall and and he's like, I'm not sure if I can talk. And, and well, one one his English was always like he, he wasn't always comfortable with the two. He, it's like I'm not sure I'm supposed to talk. And he's like I'm shaking. And it was this great detail though. Like it was he was uh, also so excited though. Like he wanted he wanted out so bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, Kepney and Ruda and some of these guys are interesting because I know the Blackhawks got criticized for those guys like having success elsewhere, but defensemen are so strange in that you have the right pairing or if you have the right group, like it makes a whole lot of difference, you know, like you have uh, Mata and um, Cuckoo last year and, and apart, you know, like they, they were, they weren't, they were struggling. And then even this year apart, they haven't been, you know, I think both have been injured, but, um, but it's just weird how those things click sometimes, you know, like I, I don't think Tampa Bay is as good if you didn't have, uh, you know, if, if Ruda was like, if he was the lead defenseman or, or the Capitals, you know, didn't have Carlson with Kepney, like it just, it's just, and, and I don't know, I guess just kind of just translating this to the Blackhawks a little bit and, and, and just how, what they're doing with their defensemen and, 
Um, like it, it, it fascinates me right now because like Stillman came in and he looked a lot like Zadorov in some ways and and maybe better a little bit better with the puck even. And I mean it's one game so you can only pull so much, but. I, I, you know, even asking Carlton about it today, about like, you have all these defensemen, some are established, some aren't, um, you know, Kalnick looks really good all of a sudden, and, you know, he's getting a little bit more of an opportunity, and, um, you know, Bodan and Mitchell both maybe get an opportunity now, or one of them with, uh, you know, with Boquist being on concussion, concussion protocol, and Zadorov being a healthy scratch, and, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it just seems it seems interesting what the Blackhawks are going through right now with their defensemen. And this is still like I feel like this is such a major piece of if they're going to actually become a contender again is figuring this part out. Well, it's all about fit in the right place at the right time. I mean, you bring up Kempney and he went right to Washington for being a healthy scratch in Chicago on a bad defensive team. He couldn't crack the lineup. He goes to Washington. He's put on the top pairing with John Carlson and he wins a Stanley Cup and everyone's like, oh, the Blackhawks are idiots. Joel Quenville's an idiot. And then Kempney's done nothing since because he hasn't really been in that same position since and he's had some injuries, I think, to deal with. And you just have uh, these... You know, Oli Mata was playing with Drew Doughty at one point this year. I mean, it's bizarre the way that these these things can work out like that. Is Ruda with Hedman? Is that right? He, he's been off and on with Hedman. I mean, it's just, you know, he was never going to be playing with Duncan Keith for that, you know, significant stretch in Chicago because they had other guys there. So sometimes you just, a, a team has a need and a right fit in the right time and it works out. And, you know, the Blackhawks are stockpiling people right now. I think in, in to some degree, and Stan Bowman kind of alluded to this a little bit, that Something's going to fit somewhere, right? If you just pile up a million bottom six centers and a million defensemen that it seemed like second and third pairing defensemen and you tinker and you tinker and you tinker and that's what the season is about. This is the season of tinkering regardless of the playoff push. Then you find what works and you just don't know what's going to work until it works. Like the idea of Olimata and Slater Cuckoo playing together last year, you had been laughed out of the room for that. Oh, the two yeah. worst defensemen on the team. And then you put them together and they were by far the best defensive pairing on the team. Uh, eye test analytically, you know, goal differential, they were the best they had and they were able to shut down top units together because for some reason it just worked. You know, Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook are elite, you know, high-end talents, but they, for 10 years together, were, they just worked together because they, they read each other's game right, they understood each other. Uh, fit and chemistry, I think, in hockey is more important than in any other sport. Chemistry doesn't matter in baseball. You know, it's not, it, it, it's, baseball is distilled down to individual moments. And football, chemistry isn't really so much as it is the structure and the planning and the game. Um, and, and individual efforts. Basketball chemistry matters a little bit, but it can be taken over by one person. In hockey, chemistry is almost everything. You look at what Kane and Panarin were able to do together. There might not be two other people in the league that can play the game they played. And so if you just stockpile a whole bunch of assets, to use Stan Bowman's term, I hate referring to human beings as assets, but that's just what they are uh, in the eyes of a GM. You just hope you keep fooling around until you find the one that works. Because once you do, you know, all of a sudden mediocre players look good. Good players look great. And that's all you can do. So when you're in this early stage of a, of a complete overhaul of your roster, you just want to have options. And right now, good God, Jeremy Carlton has got like 10 defensemen he can play on any given night. Yeah. I think the issue is that they still need to find the elite defenseman, right? Like, like you want, like Connor Murphy's certainly been that and you, and Duncan Keith, I think they don't want. I mean, eventually you want Duncan Keith's minutes, ice time to come down. So like, it'll be interesting because I, I think well, there's something well, well, there. Well, Murphy, with- Murphy, 
I mean, is Murphy really a number one defenseman? I mean, is, he is well, no. he is an elite defense. He's like a he's like in that Jacob Slavin mode where where he is like a really good defensive defenseman who doesn't give you a whole lot offensively. And I think when you think of a number one defenseman, you're thinking of a Duncan Keith type, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think someone who plays the power play, like Connor Murphy's never going to play the power play. He's never going right. to put up big points. I, I think Murphy can be a top pairing defenseman with the right guy. And him and Keith have never really clicked in that capacity. You know, I, I think Connor Murphy's minutes, especially um, if you're winning games too, like I, I think that's when they, they definitely, they start loading up on Murphy's minutes and they try to play more of a defensive game. And um, I, I think there's something there. I, I think Stillman's really interesting because one, I, I think there is a, a comparison to Zeroff to be made. I think there's a more offense in Stillman's game. I, I also think it, it, it gives them a little bit leverage on Zadorov that they didn't have before. Like I, I think the Blackhawks, one, they were they were in love with Zadorov when they traded for him, and now they're seeing starting to see some more of where, uh, you know, where his deficiencies are. But also there was a fear about his contract, and that's why his name uh, was coming up at the trade deadline because you don't want to over you don't want to pay him five million dollars. You know, like it's. No. Um, with the the flat cap, and, and I think him having arbitration rights, there's a little bit of concern. So yeah, I, I don't know. Steelman's interesting, and you know the way that Kalnick's playing, and um, you know I think Bodan or Mitchell, one of those those guys, will get a look again. And um, I, I also I, I wonder how much internally there's you know I mean you don't know about concussions, but I mean this is the one thing we talked about a lot with Bocas before was his concussion history, and, even when he was drafted, um, yeah. Yeah, so I just for him to have another one too, like they're you know we'll see, I mean we'll see how this he bounces back. But that's I, I think it's it's the one player right now in their roster where you know you're concerned about concussions without anyone, but he's the one that has some history of it. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're, you are still looking for that number one defenseman. Duncan Keith, he's still a very capable of NHL defenseman who could play a lot of minutes and play well, but he's not a number one anymore. He hasn't been for a couple of years now. I think that's just, he's 37 years old. It's a simple fact. So you need Boquist, Mitchell, Bodan, Kalanuk. One of these guys has to step up and become a number one defenseman because there's not a lot of other options. You're not going to suddenly just land a number one defenseman. Kale McCars don't fall out of the sky and there's no, you can't go and trade for one right now in a flat cap world. Uh, The Zadora stuff is interesting because he is what he was advertised as. And there are times when you look at him and it's like, this is a good player. Like this is maybe their most effective guy at, you know, shutting plays down, steering guys to the side, you know, remo- separating guys from the puck. But the second the puck touches his stick, it's a freaking disaster. Yeah. So I don't know, he's 25 years old and he's played like, you know, three or 400 games in the NHL. This is what he is. I don't think he's going to suddenly become an able puck mover, a, a, you know, a capable puck handler. And if he's not, 
like you said, he has arbitration rights and I don't know how much arbitrators are going to factor in the flat cap or if they're just going to go on precedent. If they go on precedent, he is going to get $5 million. And if you get locked into a two or three year deal worth $5 million a year, you're not going to be able to trade him because nobody's going to be able to fit him because of the flat cap situation. So, you know, trading him at the deadline would have been a good idea because you're not going to get value for him otherwise. And, you know, what do you do now? Do you just let him walk? Do you let the guy that you traded Brandon Saad for, the guy who you traded Artemi Panarin for essentially, just walk for nothing after one shortened season? The Zadorov dilemma, that's a huge one facing Stan Bowman right now. Um, maybe you just leave him exposed and hope Seattle takes him. I don't know what you do at this point. Yeah, it'll be interesting how that plays. I, I think there'll be a window to maybe make some trades before the expansion draft too, and I'm sure they'll explore that. And if you could give me, if you could give me Nikita Zadorov next year at, at his salary this year in the threes, I would take him. He's better than a lot of what they have, and you just put him in a role where he's just not. It's not, you know he's 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 just playing in his own end, playing defense and not uh, asked to to move the puck more. He is a capable NHL guy. He's just yeah. It's the money that scares me. Yeah, the problem is him. Like he'll play twenty shifts and nineteen will be really fine, you know. And then one, it just it ends up in a breakaway, you know. Right, like right. Is, is this the type of team that really, uh, even the last the last time he played was uh, what two games ago, and it's you know it was a tight game and they play, they're playing really well, and then all of a sudden misses a puck and it's a breakaway and and you know Lincoln bails them out, but it's it's just those type of plays that you just can't have and when there's such a yeah just such a small margin for error, so. Um, overall, the deadline, you know, I, you know, I guess we, we can talk about overall perspective, but it, it's interesting because I, I think the Blackhawks won it, you know, in, in the regard to that they got, they, you know, for everyone they traded, they, I feel like they, they made an upgrade, but it's also like, I don't know if the Blackhawks are better off because of it, you know, like it's, it's a lot of things where you need to project things in the future. They need Goddad and Borgstrom to be good. You, you got some draft picks and, and we will, you know, those can be hit or miss. It just, it felt like, it felt like they did the best they could do, they did, but it also doesn't necessarily equate to success in the future. Yeah, I mean, the, the most intriguing move to me was was adding Brett Connolly, because I think when, when that trade happened, we all said, oh, they took on a contract so that they could get Borgstrom. And they're clearly not looking at it. They're looking at Connolly as a guy, you know, as a player who's going to play in their lineup. And I think they anticipated, you know, trading away Soderberg and Yanmark and, you know, knowing that that was going to cost them some offense. And, you know, Connolly's a guy who's, just last year, I mean, he had 40, 41 goals over his previous two seasons. He can score. Didn't work this year. I don't know exactly what happened. He's clearly not happy with Joel Quenville. Uh, he he sounded pretty pissed off and pretty motivated uh, after he scored that goal in his first game with the Hawks against Columbus. Uh, he's an interesting guy because, you know, every time we talk to Stan, he said, look, I'm not adding veterans with term. I'm not adding veterans with term. So what does he go and he do? It does. He adds a veteran with term. A guy who was, you know... Mm, not the people were worried about and, and his contract situation, but you know, he's a guy that fills a need for the Hawks. They don't have no scoring beyond their big three or four guys. You know, you got Kane, Debrinkit, Kubalik, maybe Doc, and that's really all you have in terms of scoring. Connolly's a guy who could be a 15, 20 goal scorer in the NHL. And he's, you know, in his late well, 20s. Suter, too. I mean, Suter. Suter, yeah, all right. That's fair. Um, but there's not a lot. I mean, this you need three scoring lines in this league, and the Blackhawks don't have three scoring lines, especially yeah. with Jan Mark and Soderberg out, because those guys say what you will about them; they were at least producing. So that that's the intriguing because everything else is a gamble. It's a, it's it, it's it's a bet. It's you know we think that Gaudet's got a higher ceiling than Highmore. It's 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 six of one, half dozen the other. You're swapping fourth liners. It's you know moving guys for picks. It's 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 upgrading a pick here and there. Um, Borkstrom. Who the hell knows? It's a lottery ticket. I mean, he might never play in the NHL for all we know. But the Connolly move is interesting to me because that's 
veteran with term. It's everything you're everything you're not supposed to do when you're rebuilding. But on its surface, I kind of like it. it it's, it's, a, it's a chance you can take when you have cap space. And that's one thing the Blackhawks have that nobody else has is cap space. Yeah, I, and it's interesting. I've been asking people about, about Goddad especially. And they, they think that there's something there. that like They felt like last season was better in Vancouver. And, and the one thing is they thought he can play with skill. And, and I think I feel like the Blackhawks are trying to create that a little bit more where you're, they're just trying to get a little bit more skill throughout the lineup. Um you know, like maybe if Nylander is playing with Godhead, or you know, like I'm sure there's just there's ideas of thoughts, and then we put more skill guys together, and um, and, and there's just a lot more options now too. You know, like it's there's an abundance of forwards that they're gonna have to figure out. Some of these guys have to stay or go, or or who's gonna fit in. But maybe that's also part of it too. It's like where last year Nylander was given this opportunity, and you know, like it was he was gonna have it regardless and now there's competition. Maybe it's, things aren't just handed over and you know, if Reichel comes over and he pushes someone for a spot, like there's just no one's a definitive top nine forward, but you know, like I guess we came in this season not thinking Kurashev or Hagel, but I, I think the competition's a good thing because they need they do need more skill, they need more goal scorers and, and, and Conley even just having that type of body like they don't have a lot of guys that have size like it just yeah i, I don't know i mean it, it could all add up to nothing or it could maybe add up to something but it's it's good to have options i think at least nylander is going to be fascinating because entering this season before he got hurt he was a lock to be in probably a top six role if not at least a top nine role and going forward and now you and i are doing all these roster projections after the deadline and and, and even before the deadline he doesn't fit you know, with, with with so many young guys stepping in and, and proving they play Hagel, we weren't really thinking about before this Shalunov year. Shalunov also doesn't fit. Shalunov, where is he going to fit? I don't know where to put him. But, I mean, you think about it, you know, Hagel, Kurishev, Suter, these were all guys that were big unknowns entering the season. And they got an opportunity and they ran with it. So what happens when Nylander comes back? Because Nylander, he gets a lot of shit from the fan base. I get it. A lot of it's justified. He also produced last year. He had double-digit goals. And, you know, he he is capable of playing with, with high-end players. And he's still 22, 23 years old uh it's going to be really interesting because i don't know where he fits now if he doesn't fit in the top six can he play in the third line role can he play in a fourth line role can you have a fourth line without i mean the whole point of a fourth line is energy and motor and that's the thing that alex nylander has never shown consistently in the past so it, you're bringing in reichel and you're bringing in Connolly now and you what about borgstrom where the hell are all these guys gonna fit and again it comes down to just what we were talking about earlier is Jeremy Colleton has options, a shit ton of options. He's going to come into next training camp. You know, hopefully Jonathan Taves is back. He's going to have 15, 16, 17 NHL caliber forwards to try to squeeze into 12 spots and nine or 10 NHL caliber defensemen to squeeze into six. Um, good problems to have, as Joel Quenville always said, but it's going to be interesting to see how they can make that work and what combinations are going to come out of that. Uh, speaking of that's more of the present, um, yeah, with 13 games left, I mean, it's <laughs> this can go either way. I mean, the fact that Nashville pulls off a a big win against Tampa Bay probably wasn't what the Blackhawks are hoping for. Oh man, they got Mac they got McElhenney in net instead of Vasilevsky. Everyone in Chicago's like, "No, what are you doing, Cooper?" <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't. This is regardless of what happens, it's going to be interesting down the stretch here. Like they, especially those games coming up with Nashville, like it's. Um, it's been a while since games have really mattered. Like it, it, it felt like it, over the last couple of years, there was a handful of games that really like felt, you know, felt like really important. And they certainly got in the playoffs last year, but that wasn't going to happen unless the pandemic arrived. So yeah, yeah it's going to, I guess there's no fans or anything, so it really won't be feel much different in the arena, but it's, uh, 
yeah, they're playing meaningful games at this time of year, and they didn't, you know, I think that one of Bowman things the other day, too, is that they, you know, as much as they gave up Yanmark and uh, Soderberg and Walmark and all these guys, they they didn't change the dynamic of this team too much, you know, like, they still added pieces that, you know, Hannah Stroza, who, who's who's played, a, you know, a pretty good bottom six role so far, and he's he's chipped in, and and they're going to add in, you know, obviously they add in Stillman and Conley, and then Gaudet's going to get a chance here. Like, they, they, they've added some pieces where they, you know, they, they feel like they can help them in a run here, too. So, like, it, they didn't, you know, necessarily eliminate a lot of players that are going to, you know, be key to the run. And, you know, the fact that Yarmark wasn't playing that well probably doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't hurt too much, too. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because, you know, we, we all kind of, like, looked at the schedule for the rest of the way for all the teams. Like, okay, well, you know, Nashville's still got a Tampa game and a couple of Carolina games. And, you know, the Blackhawks have the Red Wings coming up. But now you've got Tampa, uh, Tampa just completely rolling over for Nashville. And then, you know, the Blackhawks are now facing two in Detroit, which are supposed to be four easy points. Detroit just swept Carolina, yeah. who I still think is the best team in hockey. So, I mean, it's it's... Detroit's playing pretty well. Tampa's not playing all that well. Nashville's playing out of its freaking mind. UC Saros has like a 965 save percentage over the last month or so. Uh, you, you keep kind of waiting for that to, to to regress, but season's almost over. I mean, it's going to take a serious regression in a hurry for anyone to catch Nashville right now. Because if you're playing 960 save percentage hockey, you're going to win almost every game. And when every game's a division game and every fucking game's going to overtime, good lord, Dallas is like the new Columbus, where every single game is just playing for that point and then taking your chances in the crapshoot, which they keep losing, by the way, the extra point. Uh, it is really hard to make up ground. It's really hard to separate yourself from the teams behind you. And we very well could be looking at the final standings right now just because it's just hard to make up any ground and Nashville's not giving anything up. There's that three game. They got a three game series against Nashville next week. Go sweep it against a team that has destroyed you all season. Otherwise the season's over. It comes down to that series. You know, like if the, if the Blackhawks win tomorrow, then they're within two points and they both have the same amount of games played. And yeah, it's going to come down to what they do head to head. So yeah, those games will be, yeah, they'll be interesting. And definitely. So let's talk. I brought this up on Twitter yesterday. I, Every single day, someone is coming at me saying that they, they don't want the Blackhawks to make the playoffs. And these are people like in their Twitter avatars are wearing a Blackhawks jersey. Their, their username is like Beehawk Diehard 97648672. You know, and I, I don't I don't understand that. Like you're past the point where a top three, top five pick is gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. There is no benefit to losing anymore. The difference in, in, in any draft, let alone this draft, between picking 12th and picking 16th or 17th, it's negligible. It's nothing. And the idea that there are still so many fans, like I, I get not being fully engaged this year. This is a weird season. You can't go to games. It's the same goddamn teams over and over again. I get not being wrapped up in it the way you, and, and the Hawks have no chance of winning the Stanley Cup. So I get not being wrapped up in it the way you would have been in 2013, 2014, 2015, 2016, even 2017. But I don't get this disdain for the idea of playing for a playoff spot. Like it's somehow a bad thing to put all these young players into pressure cooker situations. I guarantee you the players want to make the playoffs, even in this weird shitty year where it's not fun. They still want to make the playoffs. I don't understand why. And again, Twitter amplifies the the, 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 the fringes. I get it. I understand that. But I, I, I can't imagine ever rooting against my team. I don't, I don't know where that's coming from. I think a lot of people have got wrapped up in the hatred of the Blackhawks, you know, like it, it felt like it, it was like, well, you, you fired Q, you fired, you know, like you, you, uh, Stan Bowman should be fired. They hired Jeremy Carlton. They don't like Carlton. They don't like his system. Um, 
you don't you don't like the the Nylander trade. Like it's I, I feel like everyone just got wrapped up in an anger toward the Blackhawks and that what you know like everything they had was dismantled and it was all the people's fault. Like it, if they had fired Bowman, like I think there'd be a different mindset around this team. And and even if it was like doing the same thing they are now, which is you know like they're building towards the future and and certainly it took them longer to do the rebuild than a lot of people thought, but. I think if you'd have someone else in charge of doing this right now, like the whole mentality around this team would be so much different. I don't know. I, I feel like no one can unravel themselves from what they thought of this team or what they thought of you know, Colleton or Bowman that they just, I don't know, just, it feels like it's ongoing regardless. I, I, I see more and more people like, oh, that, you know, that's a decent trade deadline by Bowman, you know? Like, I don't like Bowman, but it's this always was, begrudging. It's always like, it's like, right, I hate him, sure. but yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of people just got, got and they can't remove themselves from that yet you know yeah. like this team could win a cup this year and never be like well you know fuck them still you know like <laughs> dale talon's core <laughs> so yeah i don't know i i don't know i i sense there's a lot of that you know like at this point like you said i mean look at last year i mean they they, they obviously don't deserve to get in the playoffs they get in the draft pick changes uh, and they drafted reichel you know like reichel ended up being he, he seems to be a pretty good value pick a guy who could be in the nhl i think next season um, once you get outside of a certain range there in that first round, like it, it, it becomes a little bit more of a crapshoot, but the difference is, um, you know, it's, it's evaluating and, and guys turning out and, you know, I mean, shoot, I mean, they still drafted to bring it in the second round. Like you can find value and the Blackhawks have added another second round pick. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't get that either. Like it's a point where they're not going to have the number one pick next season, but, um, they do have, you know, like they, they do have an opportunity to, make the playoffs and still get a first round pick and have a couple second round picks. And yeah, I don't know. It feels like the best of both worlds where you're, you're going to get experience for these young players and playing these big games. I do think matter. I feel like there's a little bit of coming around on Colleton in the fan base uh, based on, again, the overperformance a little bit this year. There are still those that just hate him, uh, just have names for him and, you know, decry the system and the system doesn't work. And I, I hey, when they got five guys on the inside of the dot, between the dot and the, the boards, I get it. That's the hell you're doing out there. But uh, it's interesting because Colleton is such a, he's such the anti-Quenville in so many ways. He's like this cipher where he just, he doesn't reveal his personality and he doesn't have that big force of personality that, that that Quenville had, but he certainly, he, I, I noticed people on Twitter, like, like, a little, oh, I got a Oh, I, I like the way he yelled at the team the other night and it worked and against Columbus. Oh, he's, he's pro vaccination and pro science. Oh, I like that. Oh, he's pro voting rights. Oh, he's, 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 he lets these little, like, you know, the idea that he's sure not, I feel like there's also probably a segment that hates him for those. Yeah, but fuck too. those people. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's interesting because like, you know, he is not your average NHL head coach. He's not a relic of the eighties. He's not 65 years old. He didn't play for the Hartford Whalers. He's, you know, he doesn't fit that normal mold. He's something new. He's like the next, I mean, he's, I think, is he still the youngest coach in the league after even three seasons of this now? I think he still might be, Mm -hmm. you know, he, 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 he probably made the move earlier than he was ready, but he is the next generation. He's analytic minded. He is forward thinking. He is modern in, 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 in every way. I mean, he's younger than both you and I are, and we like to think of ourselves as relatively young, modern people. So I, I, I think that people are starting to come around to Colleton. Stan will never win. Stan Bowman, he could win the next five cups and people will still say he sucks. I get it. It's fine. Whatever. That's, that's life in the big leagues. But I feel like people are, they're more willing to give Colleton a chance this year than they have been in the past. And I, I think it would benefit Jeremy to kind of 
let his guard down a little bit, but I just don't think that's his personality. I don't think he is a big boisterous person. He could be sneaky, funny, and he could be sarcastic and, you yeah. know, but he doesn't, that's, that doesn't come easy to him. I don't think so. I don't think you're ever going to, he's never going to be one of those, you think of all the great Chicago coaches, they're big personalities, Ozzie Gee and fucking Ditka, uh, you know, Phil Jackson, Colleton's never going to be those guys personality wise, but there's a lot to like there. And I think that people are slowly starting to come around on him a little bit. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I it, it's hard to force someone to to be something they're not, you right, know. Yeah. Like it's, it's just, it's, um. But yeah, when you look at his decisions here, I mean, they talked about the youth, and you look throughout the lineup. They've played how many young guys, and even bringing up guys like Entwistle, and now you, he's like everyone's been yelling for Zorov to be scratched, and like I, I don't think they're seeing a different game than us. They're just they're probably a little bit more patient than than fans are about some of these decisions. They don't want to make it at the right time, but I. I I, I think that he's doing everything. One, I, I think he obviously wants to make the playoffs and sees the value in that. But, but two, that they, I, I think they realize what this team still needs to become. You know, like I, 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 I don't sense that they, you know, think that they're exactly on the right track now. They, they need defenseman. Even asking him today about the defenseman, like he, he realizes they need, you know, guys to play, you know, twenty five minutes, and they need, you know, like they have Keith and Murphy, but they, they need some of these other guys to pan out, and, um, you know, the way that they like they they played Doc last year. I mean, he became, you know, he played the most five on five minutes, but end of the season. So, like, I, I think, you know, a lot of things that are said about Carlton about developing players, and 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 a lot of, you know, like I, I think some of that's been true. You know, like he's really brought along those guys. He's given guys big opportunities, and um, the balance of this year with with and some of it sure it's been masked by you know the power play being really good and Lincoln and figuring it out. But he's played a lot of young guys, and they they've gone the, some of those necessary steps and. And certainly at some point it's, it's going to be based on, you know, like at some point their five on five play has to be better and the analytics have to, you know, resemble a team that can contend. But, um, I, I do see progress and, and there are games, you know, like as bad as that Columbus game was when they go to two, nothing, they dominated for most of the rest of the game. The analytics were good. And there are games where you can see the analytics and the system working and, um, and now that it feels like they are getting some more players that fit that mold, you know, like Stillman can skate a little bit and Zadorov can skate and, um, you know, like the issues with Zadorov haven't been as much in the defensive zone as, as when it's on its puck. So, you know, like they're finding players who fit the system and maybe they probably should have had a little bit more flexibility with, um, you know, when he came in and just like, you know, we're going to play man, this, you know, man and a half and right away. And, and everyone's like, you know, like never, no one knew it and, and, and everyone struggled with it, but um, yeah, overall, yeah, it'll be interesting because I, I think I think next season, especially if Taves come back, the expectations change, and it's more like uh, it becomes less about development and in the future is more of like there's still a window of if you know Kane and Taves like it's not it's not a huge window those guys are still I think at their top level. It was interesting to hear Stillman this morning talk about you know oh yeah the system here is different from what Joel Quenville was running but <laughs> I'll have it down in a couple of days and I'm like will you will you really? <laughs> but uh, another interesting thing that happened uh, you know the, the the Blackhawks offered the players uh, the option of getting the vaccine today. Uh, Jeremy Colleton said that 
he thinks a lot of them did. I'm sure not all of them did. I mean, there's always going to be some holdouts, especially among pro athletes that are very, let's say, wary about putting things in their body and all that for better or for worse. But what's interesting is the timing of it. They're, they're getting the two shot. Obviously, the Johnson & Johnson is, is, is on pause right now. Uh, the t- they would be due for their second shot, like either the last week of the season or the first week of the playoffs. And these that, that shit will knock you out for a couple of days. You imagine the whole team game one of the playoffs because they're shot and they're all, they're all sick for game one of the playoffs. And oh, you're, you're basically playing the Rockford Ice Hogs out there against the Lightning or the Hurricanes. I don't know. But it'll they're be, all playing with sore arms tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, they get their lifted arm up. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, all right. We're running a little long here, but uh, let's get – I know we got a voicemail that kind of oh, yeah. touches on what we were talking about earlier about the defensive pairings. Just wrapped up watching the Columbus game, uh, which leaves me wondering what the – the pairings could look like next year. Stillman looked like he had a you know pretty active game on his mistake, obviously. Mitchell still in the picture. Boquist. I liked what I've seen from Bodan this year. Just curious what your guys' thoughts are moving forward with the possibility of losing Dehan and even Zadorov. Thanks for the question, Kevin. Uh, it's a great question, and I think it's probably the most important one facing these guys right now, right? I mean. When it comes down to it, what is the defenseman, what is the blue line going to look like next year? That's the biggest question right now. That Other than Jonathan Taves' future, it would be, you know, who's going to play next year? Because like we were saying, they're going to they're gonna wind up with nine or ten possibilities uh, at, at a training camp next year. Yeah, I I, I tend to think they're not going to lose DeHaan in an expansion draft. And I, I don't think Zadorov either. Like, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Zidor, DeHaan makes a decent amount of money. Um, is it in a flat cap world? Is it too much? And then Zadorov, I think there's too many concerns about what that next contract looks like. And, and you know, for Seattle to, you know, to draft him and then him to go to arbit- you know, arbitration, I, I don't think Seattle wants that. So I, I think it's potentially, you know, guys get traded. Po- that's a possibility. Um, and if everyone comes back, I think it does complicate the Blackhawks picture too, you know? Like, at some point, if they're all fighting over one spot, I think Boquist has established himself as a, you know, a top four guy. Um, if Kalanick and Mitchell and Bodan are all fighting for one spot, I don't think the Blackhawks want that either. Like, at some point, like, you want to have multiple of those guys, multiple, you know, multiple guys play and the young guys play. I also think this offseason is going to be huge. Like, I mean, guys can really change their game in an offseason. Like, you put in the time and the work and... If you come back and, you know, like you come back like a Kershev or a Hagel next year and, you know, as a defenseman, I think that makes a huge difference too. So I, uh, I'm i curious what this offseason looks like for some of the young guys and what kind of work they would put in and when, how they come back next season. And, um, yeah, and, and it'll be interesting who gets these minutes toward the end here too. You know, if Boquist is out, you know, isn't Mitchell or Bodan going in? I, I assume they want to keep Stillman in. Um, you know, based on how he played last game, maybe DeHaan sits with that hip pointer and, and Zadorov gets back in. But yeah, part of it's just it's figuring out who you got. And then, you know, the competition is good, too. I think it, it just it's hard sometimes to decipher who's playing well among the defense and, you know, who to give this ice time to. And and obviously they're still trying to win. I mean, ideally, Rockford would have been playing all season this year and you would have just stuck six of those guys down there, you know, and they could play 20 minutes tonight or whatever. But um, I think that's really kind of complicated, too, when they're not, you know, they've used it a little bit more when Mitchell and Bodan even played in Rockford last night. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here. What are, let's say Zadorov, you know, doesn't get taken in the expansion draft. What percentage odds would you put it that the Blackhawks don't qualify him and just let him leave rather than risk going to arbitration with him? I think it's really low. I I don't think they just walk away from him. I, I think they'd be willing to qualify him 
and then let that qualifying offer expire if that was the case, you know? Like I, I but I think I think they if they can bring him back at three point two I think they do it. I, I think they're just fearful of that four to five range. So, yeah. like at least if you qualify them, that gives you a longer window to to negotiate. We got a text question. I didn't know that was a thing we had uh, the, the technological capability for. But do you have any insight on what was offered for Zadorov? I do not. You were doing some reporting on that. Do you got anything? I believe it was around three point five. Oh, oh, for the no, no, oh, the, no for, for, the trade oh, deadline. Oh, oh, trade. No, I, I don't. I, uh, I'm sure the Blackhawks were looking for. a first i would think so. so yeah i uh because I, I don't think they would have just I don't, I don't think they were just moving him for like a third or fourth like i no. i'm sure they could have got that i i i think would have been the blackhawks probably thought it wasn't worth yeah because at the end like it was it was like if you traded zadar for like a third or fourth then everyone be like why not well why don't you just keep brandon <laughs> and do that right like it's like that's part of the picture still is that they they could have gone through this situation and, and to move on from zadar so quickly like you knew what Zidorov was, right? Like I mean, we we I don't think any of this is a surprise. Obviously, they're hoping that he's got more in him. So, um, I I do think his future is complicated. But they also weren't like they don't want to move on and move on from him just because that's you know like that's a simple thing to do. Alex B asked a question that's right up your alley. Who are some Hawks prospects that are flying under the radar that people should be more aware of? I mean, so many of them are in the NHL right now. But who 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 might we not even be thinking about that could be in the mix next year? Uh, next year, like Alter um, Bar- Alt- Alt- Bermaki, Alta Bermaki in Alti Barmakian. I think. Is, is I mean, do you think he's ready to take that step? No, no, I think he needs more time in uh, in Rockford. Uh, Evan Barrett's interesting. I, I don't know if he takes that next step. Um, yeah, this year's been so many young guys down there. First year guys. Um, yeah, I, don't, I mean, I mean, you saw we saw Entwistle. He's probably he wasn't ready, um, you know. Uh, and then I'm, I'm I'm trying to think of guys who might even sign for extra. I think Reichel signs. I think uh, I think Jake McGelvis signs. Like he's kind of under the radar, radar defense, but I don't think he's ready for the NHL. But someone that could be added to the mix, you know, like Vlasic went back to school. I, I think the Blackhawks are also in a mode where they see like you have so many. Like I was actually trying to think about prospect rankings the other day, and it's. Like, I, I think it may make more sense to do, like, a top 25, under 25, because, like, none of these guys are prospects anymore, so it's like, yeah, like, if they're all out of the prospect range, like the Hagels and Kershevs and Boquist, like, it's, all their young players are in the NHL right now, it's, like, a really interesting time. Um, I, I think Reichel's the most fascinating one still. Like, I, I, I thought he was a decent draft pick, but the more that I've watched with him, more I've watched him in Germany this year and his analytics and... Uh, the way he plays, I I think he I, I think he's totally able to play in the NHL next season. I, I think he could be a really interesting interesting addition to their team. Okay, we got one more here from Stuart Griffiths. Um, watching Patrick Line against the Hawks yesterday, and he and Carter Verhage, by the way, are the greatest players in history when they're playing the Blackhawks. <laughs> uh, watching Line against the Hawks yesterday, I saw a player who doesn't fit in Columbus and will only get worse under Tortorella's style of play. Do you think it would be worth an offer for the Hawks to try and get him, and what price would they have to pay? He's an elite sniper, and I think he would fit nicely into the top line, and clearly he is not enjoying his time with the Blue Jackets. Imagine him on the power play. Look, I, the, the Blue Jackets gave up their number one center for Patrick Line. They're not going to just walk from him. He's an RFA. He's going to cost way too much money. And the thing is, John Tortorella is not coaching the Blue Jackets next year. I am 97% convinced that John Tortorella has, as he does, has worn out his welcome in Columbus. He is not the guy you want ushering in a rebuild. Uh, Line is far more important than a guy who just gets you to overtime all the time as a coach. Uh, It's time for Columbus to move on from Tortorella. I think everyone in that locker room would be very happy to do that. Um, 
Maybe Tortorella goes to Seattle. I don't know. Someone will hire him because he he gets points and he gets he squeaks into the playoffs and he's got a cup under his belt. But he is done in Columbus. And if they re-sign Line, that'll be a big selling point because I don't think Patrick Line is having a lot of fun. Tortorella is kind of like the Premier League coach who gets hired right before, like the team that that doesn't want to get relegated. You know, like they they put him, <laughs> they get him just to get enough points and play the right kind of soccer. Like it's not going to win you winning soccer, but it'll, it'll get you above the line. Um, yeah, I, I don't. You know, I, I guess I haven't followed Columbus's storyline enough. Like I know that he's not always uh, he's welcomed there he's, by some of the players. He, he, yeah. is, he is cooked in Columbus. He's cooked more but than yeah, a yeah, line a, uh, the Yeah, Line A is just against the Blackhawks. He's just he's, he's at another level, you know, like that that one goal was Oh, pretty, that was awesome. That coast, I mean, usually when you see a coast-to-coast goal, it doesn't start actually from behind the net. No. He went really coast-to-coast. It was pretty impressive. Yeah, and Colleton was nice about it. He's like, and he felt bad because Dehan was dealing with something. So everyone yeah. was kind of like, well, Dehan didn't do anything. So, well, yeah, Dehan could, probably couldn't move much in line. He'd been <laughs> building up speed from behind his own net. So, um what uh, those are the questions that we got? Yeah, yeah, I think that's that'll do it. Um, if you had, you can email us at lazandpowers at gmail dot com, or you can leave us a voicemail at seven one four seven five nine four five two nine. That's seven one four seven five nine four five two nine. We got some stuff coming this week. Now that the trade deadline's over, we can start writing stories again that uh, aren't obsessing about it because that's all we were thinking about for a while. Um, I've got a story on Kirby Doc coming up tomorrow morning. Um, nice. Look for yeah. that. I still have to write it. I have to find time before my daughter's soccer practice to write that. Um, uh, you got something coming up uh, anytime soon, Scott? Uh, yeah, a couple of things I need to put some time into. I had uh, I had a couple of interesting interviews this morning with uh, uh, someone uh, overseas, so uh, a couple of people overseas and not Shulin off. So. Not Marion Hussle? Um, <laughs> not very helpful this time either so um but uh yeah no there's some things in the mix and yeah it's nice to kind of i think it's it's good for everyone to get past the deadline now we can kind of focus on the rest of the season but yeah it's it's weird i mean the season's wrapping up here it's, it's uh, crazy it's it's really I, 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 like this season has been so short and so long at the same time it's been a lot different than the typical season that we've covered yeah. for so many reasons but yeah it is crazy we're, we're like four weeks out here from the playoffs yes um, so we'll be back at this uh, next week. And uh, yeah, for Mark Lazarus, I am Scott Powers, and this is Lazarus and Powers, and we'll talk to you soon. And I know that I can't fix it. I can help even just a little bit. Won't you let me try?